Whoops. You stumbled into that leadership position. You had a big vision, big ideas, but it hasn't gone quite as you planned. You're in the right place. Welcome to the Accidental Leader Podcast with your accidental leader, Bo McDonald. Welcome in to episode number 21 of The Accidental Leader. I'm your host and fellow accidental leader, Bo McDonald. Excited about the episode today. Every once in a while, I get to invite a guest onto the podcast who I know well. And one of my favorite things is the fact that we can sit down and have coffee once a year, like we've talked every day, and the conversation just naturally flows. We've got so much to talk about. And that's one of my guests today. So I'm I'm flying without a whole lot of notes today. We're going to see how this goes. We're going to see where the conversation goes. But if it's anything like the times we get together for coffee, I'm excited about this conversation and, and what we can share with you and what we can get out of my guest's head because it's, it's some valuable stuff. Our guest today, he's the CEO of the Leadership Development Group. He's the author of Drama-Free Teams, also the host of his own podcast, Drama-Free Living. Our guest today on The Accidental Leader, Dennis McEntee. Three, two, one. For more resources and to listen to past Accidental Leader podcast episodes, visit theaccidentalleader.com. Courtesy of our sponsors, your marketing company and Uncommon. Dennis, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks, Bo. And and I think that's a great, and it really is like just picking up. It's because we get each other. And I think so many people like they just don't, they just don't feel gotten. And so I, I really appreciate that about you. So thanks for the introduction. I'm glad to be here. And um, yeah, I'm always, I'm always excited to talk to you. Yeah, and I think the reason it is, I can, I can name a very short list of folks that, that I can do that with. Uh, another guest we had here, Randy Smith from C Winsight U. It, it's because we, we all kind of have the same mindset, but we're all accidental leaders as well. And that thought of accidental leaders, you know, I've got no one to talk to. No one understands me. You, you have that bad yeah. day, you have that issue with a team member or a problem that creeps up, and you can't really take it to the kitchen table because your kids look at you like, you're crazy. I've got Minecraft games to play. Your spouse yeah. looks at you like, what in the world are you talking about? And it just kind of feels lonely. So you just pack it in. And then when you get to talk to that person, it all just kind of spews out and, and you get to kind of support each other. So I want to I start with a question for you. What sparked Gosh, you? I don't even know what the question is. Here we go. What sparked you to create the leadership development group, the, the work that you do with other accidental leaders and supporting them and coaching them? What was that, that one thing that said, gosh, you know what, there's a need for this and, and I can do this. Let, let's help some people. Yeah. I, you know, so, so we, we started our career in um, doing mostly counseling and I was that the same principles that worked helping families, marriages, and people also work in business and, and worked in teams. And, and I think I looked out and I got a little bit tired of sort of the, where we have these, you know, adult to child type conversations. And I was fascinated. What, what would it be like if we could create self-directed, self-motivated work teams that we would have adult to adult conversations and we would just become more efficient. So I, I think it's really this adult to child conversations that kind of happen in the workplace. 
And I just kind of wondered, right? I was like, huh, I wonder what it would be like if we could create self-directed work teams. What would that look like? How, how, would, that, how would that happen? And so it's, it, it's sort of been a 20-year journey going, I don't have all the answers yet, you know? You know, it's funny, as leaders, we tend to make it a little more difficult than it needs to be. I, I had an aha moment about 10 years ago. We had adopted a, a dog from the shelter, and, and she was a problem dog. We knew what we were getting, and we found a dog trainer who had a four-week oh. program, and, and this is Roxanne. We sent her to the four-week program. She ended up spending six weeks there. That tells you what a, a problem child we had. But the when we went to check in at the halfway point, mm-hmm. we were amazed at what a different dog she was. And, and yeah. I said, the trainer, like, what did you do? He said, it's not what I did. When you have a dog, you have to realize that you are its leader. And yeah. you... You've got to take control. And he said, the problem isn't with the dog. The problem is with you. And, and I, I felt a gut punch. And I, started, I said, tell me more. And the more he was talking, yeah. the more I realized the advice he was giving me and how to, how to have a better behaved dog and how I could get that out of this dog. I started thinking, I need to apply these same principles with my team. These are, these yeah. are basic things. Who would have thought that, that you know, this really expensive dog training, which is cheaper than leadership training, would have changed my whole mindset of how do I lead my team? How do I get the best out of them? How do I lead them to success? And it was at that point I realized we, we kind of get in our own heads. We make this leadership team, uh, leadership thing a, a little more intense than, than it needs to be. Yeah, I remember this. It's the same with a, a parenting class that my wife and I took. So our oldest is not 30. And so this is probably, gosh, like 29 years. This is a long time ago. But really, it was a class about like, how do I get my own act together? our dogs, these things, they're just reflections of us. And if I think we can get ourselves a lot of other things just around us, get right. Because I tell people all the time, the best way to help you people is for you just to show up healthy yourself. And just that reflection of, you know, health raised to another standard. It really is that principle. You teach what you know, but you produce who you are. And so I think as leaders, we got to continue to be introspective and just look, look at us and go, okay, what am I doing that sort of is... Not not the cause all the time. There's a part we all play, right? In every situation, I have a responsibility in every situation. And looking at myself and going, huh? Now, my leadership team hates that. Whenever we're talking about a, a struggle they're having or, or an issue with a, a team member or, or you know, some obstacle they have, my first question is always, what role did you play in this? And they give me that look like, I'm coming to you for help. I don't need help with me. I need help with this team member. I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> What role did you play in this? How did you create this conflict? Or what did you do to contribute to this problem? And it's, you know, it's not do as I say, not as I do. I always have to look at that myself too. I find myself in one of those positions. I'm like, uh, what, where have I gone wrong here? What, what could I have done differently to get a different outcome? Because you can't control other people. You, you can't control how they respond. But that's uh, it's one of those gut punch things that, you know, if you can't lead yourself well, you just can't go lead other people well in, until you can see that with you. Yeah, well, it, but I think it's because it's a lot easier to to assign blame, and it's you know it's it's your fault, it's your like disagreements and conflicts. People are trying to out victim each other. No, you did this, and no, I'm just a poor victim. I didn't. It's almost a refreshing breath of air when people just just everybody owning. I think everybody owning their stuff just creates a really really fun world, a, a difficult world until you realize how to do that for sure. And that's probably a, a good yeah 
intro into drama-free teams. You talk a lot about it. It's the name of your book. It's the name of your podcast. What is a drama-free team? If you had to describe a drama-free team, what does that look like? I think it is a self-directed, self-motivated work team that gets great results. I mean, at its essence, you know, because what's fascinating, I say this word self-directed. And when I talk to leaders, I, in fact, I wrote it on the board one time in a group of leaders. And I said, and everybody looked at it, I said, I said, listen, I said, everybody in the room, you want this. You just don't know how to get this. And it looks different for different people according to the industry and, you know, in your business. But what I've discovered, everybody wants for you to be self-directed yourself. How do you get a self-directed team? I'm thinking of myself with my leadership team and, and you've got other people. And, and when I think of, I want a self-directed leadership team and a self-directed team, you can't control other people. So instead of looking at someone and pointing saying, self-directed, go, it's not going to work. How do, you, how do you start that process of, of working with your team to, to achieve that? Yeah. The problem is because you, know, you start to micromanage. Right. And though you're responsible for the, the results as the problem is actually inside of other people. And so I think that becomes sort of the 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 tough thing. So I, I think the first thing that leaders have to do is really get very, very clear on results. Like this is the in and so we have a couple of tools called the intent or where we where leaders actually like just create this one page document that results are clear and everybody gets on the same page. And I think a lot of times people aren't even on the same page. How many times when we do even goal setting sessions and we actually write the goal down and people say, oh, that's what it is. And so I think the first thing is, you know, just leaders getting very, very clear on what the results are. And then I'm a big fan of leaving a lot of the how to my team. And when you just make the results really, really clear and, but you allow people to determine how it gets done. I don't never try to micromanage the the process, but we always just manage to the result. I'm just a fan of letting people do it their own way. I, I, in, in different industries look different, right? Because there are certain industries that people have to follow and some of those, but for the most part, I don't get involved in, in the how. I just want to have a lot of great who's that, that know how to do stuff. You know, it, it, it's amazing. I can I can testify to that firsthand. The first half of my accidental leadership career in leading people was do it this way because this is my way and it's the right way. And there is no other way, even though there's 15 other ways, they're all the wrong ways. And when I started hiring people better than me and, and I started, they would bring something to me like, Hey, what if we did this? My first response was, no, this is the way we've, Oh, wait a minute. I can't say this the way we've always done it because we tell our clients not to say that. Okay. What, what do I need to change? And when I started listening to my team and and my leadership team, I, I started to realize I hired people smarter than me for a reason because they're smarter than me. And, and if I can share the, I think this is where most people fail, having a, a mission and a vision and, and goals to say, this is where we're going. If you have a better way to get there, get us there, as long as we land here or better. And, and like you said, you know, working in, in credit unions, you know, to make a loan, there's a process you have to follow. And, right. and you can't really go around that. It's regulatory. But in our world, in, in marketing, it's the outcome that's important. And there's 15 ways to get there and they may all get you there. Got to be open to that. And that is, that's one of the hardest things as a, 
I'm a high D on the disc. I, I'm a I'm a doer. So let's just do this thing. The doing is the most important. Do you realize it's it's not? When I think especially people that you know, I'm a, and I am too. I'm I'm a high D, and I think sometimes we can be so direct that other people shut down. And this is where I'm a big proponent, especially um, bringing in different facilitators. I know I know you've probably seen this coming in and facilitating strategic planning with, with a lot of your with a lot of your customers is that when the leader speaks, everybody else shuts down, you know, cause they say things, Oh, okay, well, that's what you want, Bo. Okay. Well, whatever you want, Bo, but to have somebody else sort of in that mix. Cause I, I always try to speak last and I always try to, it, you know, have my team speak first because people don't argue with their own data. In fact, here's, here's even something that we've implemented. That's been really helpful on our one-on-one is my one-on-ones with my team, um, they're not about me, they're about them. And so they actually lead the meeting. I have a, I have a daily stand-up every day with my assistant, and I'm not in charge of that meeting. In fact, what's fun is that I lead the organization, but I'm not in charge of any meetings. I, I just show up and add my value. And I have other team members lead certain meetings. And I think even like allowing team members to do that is right. And just in working with their own uniqueness, right? Because everybody's unique. And so I'm a big proponent of trying to find, hey, what's what's your genius? And but that takes a very, very just self-confident person to allow other people to take the ball and score a touchdown. Like I don't have I don't want to score all the touchdowns. I just want to be a part of a team. So I want to ask another question. Uh, and this one's probably purposefully selfish because it's it's something our team is experiencing right now i gravitated towards one of your blogs it's called overwhelm is just a feeling and (laughs) oh gosh kind of related to our conversation but not really but but i think it is because the things we're talking about task saturation i think is what we could sum up Mm -hmm. a lot of what we've been talking about we bring it on ourselves as leaders when we don't turn over control uh, when we don't trust our team members when we don't delegate when we don't you know set them free overwhelm becomes a thing how does that happen and when you say overwhelm is just a feeling break it down make me feel better (laughs) well okay so i sort of put them all kind of in in the same categories busy overwhelm stress um at its core uh, it's a real feeling but feelings are not facts not saying you don't really feel that way but feelings and emotions like that are just information Right there, just it's information. Okay, I feel overwhelmed because I think what? And I'm a big fan of not trying to fix other people's feelings, not trying to fix your team's feelings, um, because I can't fix your feelings. Your your feelings are, you know, you're responsible for them. You've made a choice to feel certain ways, but you feel because you think. You feel because so whenever I feel overwhelmed, here's sort of a a quick like self-coaching is okay, I feel overwhelmed because I think what? And whatever I think. That I go after. So, so for example, a couple a couple weeks ago, I just woke up one morning and I just felt sad, right? So I was okay. And I, after about fifteen minutes drinking my coffee, okay. And, and I remember I was I was credit union in Augusta, and I was sitting in the hotel room, and I thought, okay, Dennis, you feel sad because you think what? And I was like, well, I think I'm all alone. I'm just all alone in this. And I was like, okay, is that really true? And I was like, no, I got a great wife, I got great kids, I got great team. Literally within like. 30 seconds, my feeling just left because I just changed how I thought about something. So I, I think the, the key thing is that with this thinking and feeling is that people create their own story. And I think being able to manage your own story is super important. For example, like I just stopped even talking about it. 
because I realized that, you know, it just created this emotional sort of turmoil inside of my, inside of my head. And when I stopped talking about it, the feelings started to leave more and more. So I think breaking it down is that really is that feelings, not necessarily facts. They're real. You really feel that way, but they're based on something you're thinking and they're just information. And so I, I and I think what happens a lot of times, especially like in credit you is that you feel stressed, they feel overwhelmed, and then they just don't know what to do with it. And they just kind of bake in it. And I think you want to use that to serve you because overwhelm can serve you. It's telling you, it's giving you information on something you think. Overwhelm is just information. I'm not going to sit in it. I really do feel it, but what am I thinking about it? But so many leaders or even team members, they don't know what to do with these feelings. They feel it. And so they bake in it or they complain about it and they don't use it to serve you. So I'm a big fan of like, hey, let's use our emotions to serve us, not hinder us. That is, I don't care what the listeners think at this point. I needed to hear that right now. That is, you know, it's a great reminder. Something that that I always tell the team in strategic planning, whenever we're having a conversation, one of my rules is ask a freaking question because you got to get in perspective. And if, you know, what I'm hearing is I'm feeling overwhelmed. Ask a freaking question. Why am I feeling overwhelmed? Is this actually true? Or am I just looking at the list and there's 18 things, but I can actually knock it out in 45 minutes? Yeah. So I'm a big proponent of leaders not coaching feelings, right? And so, and this is what I mean by this. So Bo, say you're frustrated. And I say, Bo, don't be frustrated. This is going good. This is going good. You shouldn't be frustrated. Does that fix your frustration? No, (laughs) it just makes you sound tone deaf as a leader. Right, right. And so, but it's information on what you're thinking. So a better way, so don't, so stop trying to coach people's feelings. Like your feelings are your feelings. I can't fix if you're frustrated or not, but here's what I can do to serve you is you would say, Hey, I'm frustrated. And you go, okay, Bo, you're frustrated because you think what, and whatever you tell me you think I can coach that all day long. Well, I think this, okay, let's talk about this. And so in, in this way, it's like in, it, feelings are just sort of a they're just this information. And if you leaders use them for information to get to what people are thinking and then coach that. Now, here's what's even more fascinating, Bo, is that do people typically, or have you ever seen with clients or maybe with your team that people bring you a problem without an emotion attached to it? Yes, quite often. What's interesting is, is that they bring you the emotion first. Well, I'm frustrated because, and then they bring you the problem. And so I think the challenge is, is that many times that uh, the problem that you're dealing with, you're emotional about the problem. And once you can get out of the emotion and you can get to the thinking, and then you can work on the real problem. So the first problem is that you're emotional about the problem. And I think as leaders, we got to help people get out of the emotion first so that we can get to the logic and have a great problem solving conversation. Tell me if this is true. One of the things, when I always look at emotion or I'm feeling this way, it may not necessarily be true, but I always, I always say, and tell me if this is right or wrong, perception is a reality. If they're feeling that way, there's something, and it may not be exactly that, but there's something there to, to uncover. Is that typically true in dealing with that situation? Yeah, 100%, right? Because it's just telling you a story, and, it, and it's information, and, and, and I think there's wisdom in it, right? It's like, so it, it's a real feeling, and it's just a reflection of something some kind of story that I'm telling myself. And I want to get to like what that story is. Now, here's what's fascinating about stories, Bo, is that um, most stories are all just all made up, right? It's, it's like we make, up, we make up our own meaning and nothing has meaning except the meaning you give it. 
And so, for example, I'm a big fan of like, you can't, but you can't attack me unless I decide you are. Right. If I see you said to me as an attack, but if I don't see it as an attack, I don't put that meaning as an attack, guess what? And then it gets even fascinating because, but if I don't feel attacked, then I don't have to be defensive. Feel like that was disrespectful. And then I felt that. So all of a sudden I become defensive. But if I don't feel that way, if I don't put a meaning to that, then then I don't even have to be defensive. And I think it's just, you know, I think as leaders with stuff, right? If I feel something, then that's my responsibility. I feel that way. It's not your responsibility to fix my feelings or you didn't make me mad or any of those kind of things. You know, this is probably getting way too deep for this podcast and we could spend another five hours on this, but what I'm hearing, it, it takes me back to a, a book I've read, The Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance. Have you ever read that or heard of it? I have not, but I'm going to put it on the list. Oh my gosh, thank you. I have not. It, it, it's by Robert Persig. And, and for, I started reading this years ago and I, I got a chapter and it was just way too deep. I'm like, I, I can't do this right now. This is not the time. And for whatever reason, I just picked this up a few weeks ago again, and I started going through it, and and I was ready for it. I'm glad I waited because I, I needed it now. But as I started reading it, I'm like, this is a fascinating story. And come to find out, he's actually writing about himself, where he goes through this this mental breakdown and and has electric shock therapy. But he's remembering all these things as he's taking a motorcycle ride through the through the mountains out west with his son. But kind of what what makes me think of that book when, when you're talking is. You know, he gets so deep in it talking about what's real and what's not real because we say this motorcycle is here. Is it real or is it not real? What do we consider this this thing? Who decides it, it's real? And I mean, it, it's 500 pages, so it, it gets real oh, deep. Wow. But just to make it easy, you know, the things that you're talking about, you could relate what Persig says in that book to what you're talking about. Is this thing real? Who, who's deciding well, that this is the thing? Well, and even think about it, but I mean, at its core, like everything is made up, right? It's like, you think about like, you know, the issues that your clients, like somebody just made those rules up, right? And it's like stories are made up and, and really like nothing has meaning except the meaning you give it. And so I, I, I think as leaders, I think we have to work really, really hard, create the right meaning, right? So, so I lose an employee. It's like, well, what does that mean? Well, that could mean, you know, oh my gosh, like our clients are going to suffer. We're going to lose money. We're going to, or it could mean, wow, we're, there's, we're going to get an upgrade. Oh, we're, we're looking for an upgrade. Huh? This is a chance for an upgrade. And, and who's right? Uh, both are right. And so you choose the meaning. And I think as leaders, we have to step out and we can create meaning from different events that that's a great motivator for people. And so we, we, we call it shaping the story. And and I think as leaders, that's a key is the storytelling and you guys at your company, you guys do a brilliant job at story storytelling. So you're kind of the expert at this, but as leaders, I think we have to realize, you know, we have to tell the right story to ourselves, tell the right story to our teams. Uh, Dennis, I could carry this on for another few hours or another few days, but we need to wrap up and I want to ask one final question. Okay. Yeah, Ac- go. Accidental leaders are are listening to this right now. What one yeah thought would you leave with them that when they close out of this podcast in, in just a few minutes, they can go and they're going to be better leaders. What, what advice would you give or what thing would you say to, to make me better, to make the listeners better right now? Feelings are just information. Stop coaching feelings. Get to what people are thinking. When people bring you a feeling because they bring it all day long, frustration, irritated, annoyed, bothered, 
whatever that is, get down to what they're thinking. And the simple coaching phrase, okay, you feel this because you think this, and then coach and coach thinking, but stop trying to coach feeling, allow people to have their own feelings, frustrated, irritated, but I'm not okay with some of the behavior that comes out of that, right? I'm not okay with like sarcasm, criticism. I'm not okay with some of the behavior, but I'm not going to try to change your feelings. I'm going to use it as information. So big takeaway, I feel this because I think this in coach thinking, not feeling. Dennis, I appreciate you more than you know, and I hope we can do this again because I could probably, uh, we could have another dozen podcasts and still not talk about everything. I always love my time with you. Thank you so much for taking some time out of your day to join us on the podcast. But before we go, how can folks reach you if they're if they're feeling convicted, if they're feeling that gut punch saying, I need more of this. Where can they find out more about the leadership development group and, and drama-free teams? We're on all social channels. Um, and then leadershipdevgroup.com, leadershipdevgroup.com. And um, that's all things drama-free there. Dennis, thank you so much for joining us. This has been episode number 21 of The Accidental Leader and our guest, Dennis McEntee. Again, thanks to our sponsor, Your Marketing Company. You can find us online at yourmarketing.co. Thanks so much for joining us for another episode of The Accidental Leader. For more resources and to listen to past Accidental Leader podcast episodes, visit theaccidentalleader.com, courtesy of our sponsors, Your Marketing Company and Uncommon.